0: Good morning and welcome to um, our fellowship this morning. I want to welcome you if you're here for the first time um, and pray that you feel uh, welcomed um, and that you would also uh, be encouraged by the Word. Uh, As a church, what we're really all about is to make sure that we accurately give you the Word of God. We We want you to hear and to know God's Word as it ought to be because we believe that's all the power is. The power is in God's Word. Um, and if you understand this and you embrace this, then your life can never be the same because of the Word of God. And we just uh, thank God for his, his precious Word. You know, God has, God has always been working. Uh, beginning of time, God has always been working. And uh, we are amazed when we look back at the work of God and, this, and the story that God has worked through this world uh, we look back in stories like Abraham, or stories of Moses, and uh, stories of Daniel in the den, and um, the, the the Great Wall around Jericho. God's always been working wonderful stories, and we're absolutely blessed as a church because we are part of God's story today. This is God continuing to do His work in our lives today. And when God looks at all the history of time and sees what's been happening, you, you, and I are continuing to be part of the story that God is writing in this earth, on this earth. And that's a glorious thing because it means God is still working with great power and great might. God is not just, hasn't vanished and no longer doing what he has to do. You and I continue to be part of this story. It's amazing to think, we, we think we know what God is doing. We think kind of we get it all the time. But it's amazing if we could just tap into the, the heart and the mind of God, that he would actually show us and reveal to us what in fact he's trying to do. It would blow our minds away. And so you're here this morning, not because, not because for some reason you were good enough or for some reason you were um, able enough to come, but because God wants to do something and say something in your life. God is, God is working in your journey, your story, wanting to do something to his glory. And this morning I pray that you um, receive, you open your hearts to receive what God has to say to you. Join me as we pray, and I want to share with you some wonderful things from God's Word this morning. Hopefully that will encourage and that will build you up in the faith. Our loving Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for every single person that is here, uh, their, their uh, willingness to come and to listen to the Word of God. Father, that's all it's about. It's about you, it's about your Word, and it's about what you're doing on this earth uh, from the beginning of time right till now. And that we are another chapter of the great story that you're writing on this earth until one day the chapters will end, the story will close. And Father, and then, then the great glory will continue. And Father, we just thank you for this. And Lord Jesus, we pray this morning that we open up our hearts to listen to what you have to say, not listening to voices of men, but the Spirit of God. And I pray this morning that you have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um. Just open up your Bibles, just to set the scene, open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, a very famous verse. And in chapter 10, we just want to have a quick read or have a read of verse 31. Verse 31. And in chapter 10, Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he's uh, giving them an instruction and how to live life. And isn't that wonderful that we can receive God's word and we can receive instruction in how to live God's life. And this is what chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians verse 31 says. He says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, you got that? That whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all To the glory of God. Wonderful instruction. I mean, begin to unpack that for yourselves. Begin to understand that for yourselves. If you're sitting here thinking, I love Jesus, I love God, I want to do God's will, just join me for the next half an hour or so and let's begin to unpack what Paul is even trying to say to the Corinthian church. And he says, Therefore, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This glory of God that he wants us to do. He says, whatever you're doing, if you're eating, if you're drinking, if you're sweeping, if you're vacuuming, if you're cooking, if you're changing a nappy, if you're working, if you're serving, if you're ministering to someone, if you're counseling, whatever you do, he says, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Go to Mary Lawrence this afternoon, do it to the glory of God. Got to do some grocery shopping this afternoon? Then do it to the glory of God. Paul says this is the very intrinsic motivation of the Christian, that everything that they're doing, they're doing because they want to see God glorified. They understand that they are replaced for Jesus, that they are removed so that Jesus has his place, that they themselves can get off their own Platform and allow God to have his. That whatever we do, he says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do to the glory of God. And there I say, when things start to go astray or relationships start to crumble or life seems meaningless or something becomes purposeless, then it's because you have lost sight of the glory of God. Because Paul says, this is what you've got to do. That whatever you do, you do to the glory of God. Holidaying, going out to a restaurant, catching up with some friends, socializing on your own. You're doing it all for the glory of God. How is that possible? Well, firstly, we want to understand the big picture. We we want to understand what is the glory of God? What is in fact, what is he asking us to live for? What is he asking us to aspire to? And so the Bible, boy, you know what? We could spend weeks. We could spend weeks on the glory of God because there is so much in the Scripture that teaches us about God's glory, the very thing that you and I are called to live for. And the very very truth is, is that God's glory is like on a road or on a train track heading for eternity and nothing is going to get in the way. Did you know that? Nothing is. From the beginning of time until the end of time God's glory is moving with great speed. And either you get on board or you get out of the way because if you don't get out of the way you're going to get bowled over because God's glory isn't going to stop from any for anyone. From creation to revelation God's glory is on its path for eternity. It's wonderful. And so we need to understand something of the big picture because God's glory isn't going to stop for anyone. God's glory is always going to be seen now to eternity. For anyone who understands the Scriptures or anyone who's understand or read the Word of God or have studied the Word of God, you should now know by now what Genesis 1.1 says, the very first verse in the Bible. You should know that because if, you know, if you're a Christian who reads the Word of God, then Genesis 1.1 is one of those verses that you would know fairly fairly quickly in your Christian walk and the verse is very simple that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth right from the beginning God said let my glory show i want to show people my glory I want to show people something about who I am. And God began to give us a bit of a taste of the glory of God. It wasn't everything of God's glory, but it was something to whet the appetite of man. Look around you and see God's glory. Wow. In fact, the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19. Because all you've got to do is get out one night, if you're like me. Nice, clear sky. You see the stars. And you think to yourself, boy, God, how can anyone think you don't exist? And the heavens declare the glory of God. And the earth is his handiwork. Because you see his handiwork everywhere. You see his creativity everywhere. And God's saying, look, 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 I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. Consider, there's not a place on this earth you can go to that you can't see my glory. You can't see my handiwork. And from creation right through to restoration or revelation, God is working his glory. In fact, did you know that God's glory is all throughout scripture? That in heaven, in heaven, the Bible says there is no need for the sun. Do you know why? Do you know why there's no need for the sun? Because his glory shines the whole place. It's everywhere. You're in it now. Look around you. The whole thing, the whole life, your whole existence is God's glory. And then you have people saying, oh, there's no God. And so so from the beginning of time right through to the end of time, God's glory is there. And so we either need to get out of the way or get on board because it's going to knock you over if you don't. And one day, when God's glory comes to fruition completely in heaven, then those who are there are those who sought it and desired it now. Do you understand? It's like people don't understand that nothing is going to stop the glory of God and think that somehow there is something in them that is able to give them life apart from God's glory. So they go on little kind of detours. You know, when I was a little boy, I had one of those toy trains, tracks. You know those toy train tracks? If old, Some of you might be old enough to remember. I don't know, they might even still have them. Where well, you clip the tracks together. Yep. And that sometimes you could clip the tracks so that they can go one way or the other, depending on which way you wanted the train go. You go. Know, and sometimes, you, like, then they became more advanced. They had the little levers. Remember those? Little levers. And so if you press the lever, you could make the train go this way. And if you press the lever, you can make the train go that way. People live their lives like this. People live their lives thinking, you know what? I'll determine which way God's glory goes. It doesn't work like that. God's glory is God's glory. God's glory is on a train track (laughs) headed for eternity and you've got to get on board. You don't determine if you should do this or do that. You don't determine whether you like this part or that part. You You do it as God intends it to be. You do it as God calls it to be. You live it out the way God wants it to be. Do you understand? This is the glory of God. And I love this because everything in Scripture teaches us about God's glory. In fact, Jesus, one of his famous prayers in John chapter 17, said that he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, um, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. It's wonderful. Everything about the prayer of Jesus was, you know what? Father, be glorified and glorify me. Glorify me, glorify you. Everything, his whole heart pumped with the glory of God. And he calls us to the same. Until other little things, other little things, get in the way and become more glorious, more pleasurable, more delightful, more interesting. And we, like the train track, begin to put the the levers in place, deciding that you know what, it's good. God's glory is good, but I like this particularly, and I want this particularly. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves. Uh, Losing purpose, things crumbling, meaningless, because we have stopped seeking, first and foremost, the glory of God. Boy, I tell you what, this is a message, this is a, a theme in the scripture that not only should be understood today, but you should make it your lifelong commitment to understand the glory of God. That's the, the, the big picture. But let's talk a little bit about what the glory of God is. Is. You know, Moses, many, many years ago, Moses was on his own and he's speaking to God and he said something quite amazing to God. He said, God, remember what he said? He said, show me your glory. I don't know if you really understood what he was praying. He said, he said God, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. You know what? That is almost exciting and it's also frightening to pray something like that. God, show me your glory because are we prepared to come face to face to the glory of God so that it would actually transform us, that we would get off our platform and allow Jesus to take full control of everything in our lives because the glory of God represents everything God has done and everything God is and everything God has worked and everything God is working today so that you can get a glimpse of who God is. It is the true testimony, the true vision of of what and who God is. I'll explain in a moment. But Moses prayed, Moses prayed, show me your glory. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now that was quite a fascinating thing that Jesus said because he was speaking to Martha. And, and he had just asked the stone to be rolled away. Martha said, Jesus, what are you doing, Jesus? He's been dead four days. And there's going to be a real stench. And that's when Jesus said to Martha, Martha, did not I say to you that if, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. You will see what you think is impossible come to fruition. You will see what you think was dead come alive. You will, you will see what you think we had no longer had hope become hopeful. You would see what you saw as being um, uh, useless be restored. Yeah? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. And then later on in the Scriptures, we're told that because we behold the image of God, we are being transformed from glory to glory. That's amazing. That this same glory that God has called us to is the same glory that he wants to transform us into. Everything that Jesus showed, everything that God had done, everything that God does and continues to do is a true testimony of the glory of of God. When Jesus said to the man on the bed, take up your bed and walk, that was the glory of God. When Jesus said to the woman, "Your, your sins are forgiven, that was the glory of God. When Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand, and it was made whole, that was the glory of God. Everything we saw about God Everything that testifies to God. When Jesus spoke to you and said, I love you, I forgive you, that was the glory of God. It was the true Testament, the true testimony of who God is, what He's done, and what He is able to do. Every story in the scripture, every story in your life, every story that God has been doing from eternity until now is a declaration of the glory of God. It shows His majesty, it shows His power, it shows His strength, it shows His glory, it shows His um, wonder, it shows His ability because this is the glory of God. When you look at Jesus, you see the glory of God. And that God is saying this, come, come and be part of it. Come and live out also the glory of God. I spoke to a, little, a young boy at school the other day and he was telling me how he was very sad because his great-grandfather had passed away. But he's telling me how um, him and, his great-grandfather and his wife had been together for 70 years. And I sat there and I thought to myself, that is the glory, as, as I reflected on it, I thought, that is the glory of God. You know, whether you're Christian or not Christian, man, 70 years, that is the glory of God. Because you know what? That is a testimony of how God planned marriages. Do you understand? That's the glory of God. That's the glory of God. That's what we're seeing. Everything we see that represents the truth of Jesus, everything that we see that represents the power of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, is the glory of God. And so when Paul says, whatever you do, eat or drink, whatever you do, do to the glory of God, it becomes a little bit more clearer to us. The Bible tells us this, that we are being changed from glory to glory, but the Bible tells us in in Isaiah, it says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to another to carved images. Think about that for a moment. In everything that we've been, I've been sharing with you, God says this. He's, he puts like a pause button. My glory from creation to the end of time. Everything I've done. Everything I've shown you. Everything I'm able to do. This is God's glory. And he says, I want you to stop for a moment. And I want you to understand something. I give this glory to no one. I give it to no one. It's exclusively His. When we try to dabble with other things and we say, oh, wasn't it amazing how I was able to do this or I was able to do that and somehow we we take upon ourselves the, the, the ability of doing things for God and God says, what are you doing? I give my glory to no one. Every breath you take, every ability you have, every word you speak, the accomplishments of life are a blessing of God. And God says, I give my glory to no one. And he wants us to pause as Christians and think to ourselves that we come to a place that we understand, Lord, thank you. You are the glorious one everything i am belongs to you and all the scriptures indicate that that everything we are and everything we exist for is for the glory of god wow it's starting to sound like god's obsessed with us it's starting to sound like god wants nothing else than for us to be found in his glory that's right that's exactly right because nothing's going to stop his glory It's on a train track headed for eternity. Nothing's going to stop it. It's going to be there. Either we choose to get on board and find ourselves in eternity in this glory or we find ourselves out of it and eventually in a place called hell. God's glory is God's glory. And God's glory he'll give to nobody. He claims it. It's his. He told us about it. He showed us what it was. And now he asks us to come on board with it anything that tries to get in the way is only going to be bowled over by God. You know, the, thing, the problem is this. We know that our sin will get in the way of God's glory. We know that, don't we? We know that the Bible says, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. And what's happened because of that? They fall short of the glory of God. And understand? We know, unfortunately, that's the only thing that's going to get in your way. That unless there is repentance in your hearts, and that means basically you saying, God, what am I doing, doing what I'm doing? And turn from this. I cannot say to you, you're going to see the glory of God. The Bible says all have sinned the fall short of the glory of God. But when there's repentance and when there's restoration and when there's forgiveness with God, then we begin the journey of seeing God's glory. And when we see God's glory, we see restored to his purpose and to his plan because he wants to shine and show the world exactly who he is. Don't rob him of this. In fact, there's another interesting scripture in Second Corinthians, the Bible says that the devil, who's the God of this age, has blinded people's minds who do not believe. Lest the lights of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Interesting, isn't it? That the enemy, what his plan is this. How can I stop people from seeing the glory of God? Because tell me something. If someone sees the glory of God, what, are they going to say, oh yeah, that's interesting. If they see the glory of God, I, I, I think if they see the glory of God, they're going to, they're going to run to it. If if their eyes are open to this. And so what he does is this. He says, I've got a mission. The devil's got a mission. And his mission is this. I want to blind people from seeing the glory of God. Well, it's interesting because he'll blind people's minds. And he'll confuse them. And you'll create deep seated doubts in them because I said, I don't see the glory of God. But God forbid, as He does it in unbelievers, God forbid that they don't see the glory of God because they don't see it in you. And so God's glory must be evident in our lives, must be seen in our lives. His mission, the devil's mission, is to blind people from this glory mission is to declare the glory of God. Our mission is to show people the glory of God. Our mission is to run away from those things that are going to hinder the glory so that the glory can be seen. We're not partnering with the devil. We're in opposition to him. And if he wants to smother the glory of God, guess what we want to do? We want to lift it up. We want to glorify him in everything we do. Oh, in what do we do? In what things? Oh, guess what? In everything, eating, drinking, cleaning, mowing, whatever we do. Wow, that's the glory of God. And can you imagine how frustrated the enemy gets when you start to believe in your heart that in everything you do, and whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. You understand? It's almost like I was going to use the word invincible, but not quite, because only in Christ are we victorious. But it's almost like you become the most frustrating person for the enemy. It's like, oh, that person just wants to live always for the glory of God. Because his mission is to somehow smother this glory. And so these things do get in the way. Understanding God's glory, beloved, means that what we begin to do is understand who we are as people. And uh, we've seen a big picture of what God's glory is. We've, we've, we've understood a little bit about what the glory of God is. But I want us now to understand a little bit about the pers- what we are in perspective to this glory. If humanity, okay, hu- people, whether they're Christians or not, if people get the right perspective of who they are, do you expect them To be proud? Do you expect them to be arrogant? Do you expect them to somehow think of themselves more highly than they ought to think? Not at all. You see, when we get a right perspective of who we are, we begin to understand just how humble and just how uh, dependent and just how needy we are on our Creator God. Listen to this verse. The Bible tells us in Psalms, I think it is, um, in Psalms. It says this, Indeed, You have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, listen to this, every man at his best state is but vapour. Do you hear that? Every man at his best state is but vapour. Can you imagine people walk around, they think really highly of themselves? I'm so good. I accomplished this. I did this. I've got this. You know, I'm so good because I managed to uh, go here, go there, and have all the. And God saying, what are you talking about? Let me explain something to you. God says, every person in their best condition is but vapor. Because God wants to remind us, not like worthlessness, but in perspective of who he is. See my glory? You, in your best state, you're vapor. (laughs) Okay, God, tell me what I need to do. That's the fear of the Lord. Get that? That's where you see uh, uh, joy and uh, peace because you start to understand life in true perspective. You try to understand that you, you need to move so God's glory can come in. You need to get out of the way so God's glory can be the only thing that people see in our lives. Every man in his best state is just, uh, is just vapor. So that's why Jeremiah tells us that if anyone's going to glory, let him glory in who? In the Lord. Jeremiah 9. If anyone wants the glory, let him glory in the Lord. So, becoming God's people, we understand that God, God has created us in his image. God has made us in his image, beloved. So be- the very fact that you are in the image of God means that you represent God the creator. That gives us great value. It puts us in perspective, but now we understand our responsibility. If we're made in the image of God, God, then what do you want from me? If God spoke like us, maybe he would say something like this. Get out of the way and let my glory show. Because that's all people need to see. They don't need to see how good you are. They don't need to see how smart you are. They don't need to see how much money you have, how well dressed you are. What they need to see is God's glory. They need to see homes functioning in the glory of God. They need to see people living for the glory of God. They need to see lives that have purpose for the glory of God. Let them see God's glory, which is everywhere, but let them see it in in you and let them understand, this is who I am. That's what I want to communicate to them. So it becomes our responsibility. It becomes our responsibility to start to declare the glory of God, and the only way we can do that is to come to the end of ourselves. The end of ourselves. What does that mean? Come to the end of myself. You heard that phrase before. What does that mean to come to the end of myself? What do I like? Stop going to work. Do I um um I don't know. Do I stop eating? Uh, Do I stop hanging out with friends? What does it mean? (laughs) It means none of those things. Coming to the end of yourself is coming to the end of who you think you are and allowing Jesus to become everything he is in you. That's why whatever you do, whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. You don't compartmentalize your Christian faith. You don't say, I'm a Christian here, but not here. I'll be really full on here, but not full on there. You don't do that as a Christian. That is hypocrisy. You live Christian wherever you are. You live the glory of God wherever you are. You don't say to yourself, I'll show some of Jesus through me. Or you don't even say, I'll show most of Jesus through me. It's either all of Jesus or it's nothing. That's the glory of God. When people see all of Jesus through you. You say, oh, that's too hard. No, that's Christian. Well, how do I do that? Repentance. Remember? Remember? We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you come into this relationship with Jesus and then he takes you under his wing and says, come, now I want to show you the glory in greater amounts. I want to declare my glory through you more and more so that you start to believe it's not some of Jesus, it's not most of Jesus, but everything of Jesus living through me. You come to the end of yourself. You fight sin so you can run away from it. You fight sin so you can overcome it. You fight sin so it no longer controls you. You fight sin so that sin no longer gets in the way of the glory of God and you become victorious and the end of yourself that you die so Christ lives. Oh, Hang on a sec, I die? What are you talking about, I die? Listen, let me explain something to you. Your body, your body physically is a body, isn't it? And so the the Bible tells us that this becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. This body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Aren't we grateful for that? That God has inhabited a body, like he inhabited the tabernacle, like he inhabited the temple. He inhabits a body. The body is us, the Holy Spirit, coming because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. However, in us, we also have what we call, what the Bible calls, the flesh. Do you understand that? There's the body, which is what the Spirit of God inhabits. The flesh, guess what it tries to do? It tries to resist and push out everything that is the glory of God. That's the flesh. The Bible calls it that. It's the very thing in us that is about me, it's selfish. It wants everything for me. It doesn't want the things of God. It resists things. It carries bitterness. It carries hate. It carries um, lies. It carries uh, lust. It carries all these things in me that is pushing it, the glory of God away. And the Bible says, listen to this, your body is alive and the Spirit of God lives in it and inhabits it, but your flesh must die so that Christ can live in it fully. Do you understand? That's when I say you've got to come to the end of yourself. And unless you do this, you will not see the fullness of God's glory. Or maybe some, maybe most, but not the fullness. And when the Bible says that Christ needs to dwell in us fully, He's asking us to come to the end of ourselves so that Christ can dwell in us fully, so that people may see the glory of God. Do you understand? That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit. Whenever you buy something, it's yours. And you don't want anyone to take it and misuse it, do you? Fancy, imagine buying something and someone takes it the next day and damages it or destroys it. That's not right. And the Bible says, you know what? You were bought at a price. God purchased you. What do you mean he purchased me? He died on the cross for you. He bought you. He goes now because of this, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, how you act and who you are. Do you understand? That's sounding a bit like 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. I and mean, whatever you do, you do for the glory of God. Because the journey, sorry, the destination is glorious, but the journey must be just as glorious. Do you understand? It's like someone saying, I'm going to go on a really amazing road trip because where I'm going to go, it's just going to be the best place in the world. And they're on the road getting to this best place in the world. Yeah, like heaven. Go to this best place in the world. But then on the way getting there, they're being careless. They're cutting people off. They're not following the road rules. They're speeding. They're yelling at person next to them. And, but, the, but, but their destination is amazing. That's not the Christian you don't say, oh, my destination is, oh, it's just so amazing, my destination. And then the journey is somewhat less glorious. Do you understand? We live for the glory of God, whatever we do, whatever we do. Someone cuts me off. Oh. It's the God's glory. How, how is me responding with this God's glory? The glory of God. The glory of God is seen in everything. Whether your internet is not working. You've just cracked your phone. In everything, it's the glory of God. So people see that sin does not have dominion over you, but the glory of God has dominion over you. Could you imagine a man once, imagine a rich man decides he wants to build a massive home. So what he does is this. He puts all this money, time, sweat, tears. And what he does, he builds this magnificent home. Massive house. Because what he wants to do is this. He wants to invite all that want to come into his home. And he's so excited because he's invested so much of his life into this home. And he begins to call people and they just come. They just come. They're just excited. They're excited to come and be part of the master's house. And, and they, they've all got rooms and they've got their own rooms. And they're just, there's rooms for everything, rooms for eating, rooms for TV, rooms for socializing. And they're just massive. And the people are just coming, and hundreds and thousands. They're just coming. And they're just a massive place. And he looks back and he thinks he's so glad that he's able to accommodate for these people. He's given them a place to live. It's his glory. Look around, you see the glory of the master. And then eventually what starts to happen, people start to think to themselves, I don't like the way he did this. Why is the lounge room here? Oh, I think I'll move the lounge room and put the bedroom in there. Oh, I don't, why do we have to eat together? And they start to exclude people from meals. Oh, why, I don't, why do we have to have the same... A social area with this person and they start to separate socially and then they start mixing rooms sharing rooms and they shouldn't even be sharing rooms and the master looks back and thinks what's going on and eventually they get to a place where it's like the master's invisible they're just ignoring him it's like he's not even there and he looks back with a sad heart at what they've done and he begins to see cracks emerging he begins to see the physical cracks, because they're not looking after the place, but they all, he also they begins to see emotional cracks and social cracks. and he goes and he's thinking to himself, "This is not what I intended when I gave them my home." Because all of a sudden they've put themselves in the middle of everything, and they've pushed him out of his creation. And now they live, they live now for their glory. Do you understand? And not for the glory of God. He says, what am I going to do? Okay, let's gather all the people together. I want to renovate. Some get excited, some aren't sure. But he comes in and he renovates the house and he makes it all fixed up and beautiful again. And he says, this time I'm going to dwell with them. I'm going to give them a second chance. That's the cross. And he starts to dwell with them. And for a time, they like it. But eventually, it's all too much for them. And eventually, they still go on to do what they want to do. They go on living the way they want to live. They make decisions based on how they think decisions should be made. And eventually, now with him in there, he's like he's not even there at all. He's invisible again. Because man by nature... Man by nature wants to put himself at the center of the universe. Even though God has made and created this amazing place and he said, this is my handiwork. Come, dwell in it and glorify me. Eventually man says, you know what? I'll do it my way. And they push God out. doesn't make sense. does not make sense. And as Christians who become image bearers, people who bear the image of God, who declare the glory of God, must come to the end of themselves and invite the Master to come and live completely and fully and totally over their lives and in their life so that others around them may see the glory of God. That's why the Bible says in First Corinthians that whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do for the glory of God. You know, one day, and I'll finish with this, one day in heaven, when all is said and done, what we're going to hear is something like this in Revelation. You are worthy, Lord, to receive glory and honour and power. And if that's going to happen in heaven one day, then I suspect, I believe, It's only what we are doing today as Christians. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. You created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. We, the children of God, have no other, no other, responsibility that can perhaps um, be more glorious than allowing God, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and live and reign that others may see the glory of God. You'll see it. You'll see it. You'll experience it. But to come to the end of yourself so that others may see the glory of God. And in the midst of many of our responsibilities, this one, this one must be a long life pursuit. It must This is everything God exists for. This is everything God created earth for. This is everything that we're going to see in in heaven. It's the glory of God. And may we as Christians, may we genuinely, truly, sincerely get off from being in the way and allow Jesus to live and reign that people may see his glory in everything that we do. Let's pray. Father, as we just reflect on where we are this morning, we reflect on how our lives are are seen and betrayed to those around us. And Father, we understand through Your Word our great responsibility as Your children, as Your image bearers, is that others may see Your glory through us. Others may see Your truth through us. Your grace, Your mercy your power, your love, your forgiveness. And that, Father, that you would help us come face to face with who we are and before you, that we may get out of the way, Lord, come to the end of ourselves, that your glory may be seen. So, Father, is there's any deep-seated bitterness or deep-seated doubt or, or deep-seated anger? Whatever there may be, Father, that's getting in the way, I pray that in the name of Jesus, may we bring it before you, Lord, and lay it at your feet, that nothing, nothing stops from getting in the way of your glory. This is the very reason for our existence, Lord, the very purpose you put us on this place called earth, Lord, that we may know you and know your glory and declare your glory to others. So, Father, we pray for this church. We pray that you continue to build us up, continue to strengthen us as we walk in this wonderful glory. And as the scripture teaches, that we would be changed from glory to glory because of your goodness and grace. We thank you, Father, and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.